The New York Mets sale is complete. They traded both of their aces and seven big leaguers overall. What do we make of the return and how long will it be before the Mets are viable contenders again? I'm going to break it all down on today's edition of Locked on Mets. You are Locked on Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Swing for the fences on sleeper picks and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the sleeper app and use promo code Locked On. It'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers' terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, so the Mets did it. They completed their big sale. They went into a rebuild and tried to do it overnight. I think they did a pretty good job. Now, I did a show right after the Justin Verlander trade, breaking down that package, and that's obviously the big news of the day. Now, the Mets also send out on deadline day. Tommy Pham, no surprise there. A big one was Dominic Leone. Not a big trade, but a big surprise. I mean, no one saw that coming. And who would have thought they got a better prospect for Dominic Leone than Tommy Pham? I mean, Jeremiah Jackson, I believe, was the prospect uh, that they got back for Leone. And he's already slotting in the Mets' top 30. For Tommy Pham, it was Jeremy Rodriguez, um, who is a 17-year-old in the Dominican Summer League. Could be incredible, right, from the Diamondbacks. That could be the best prospect they get at this deadline. There was a point in time where no one cared who Fernando Tatis Jr. was when he was traded for James Shields. And obviously we know how history has sort of changed the narrative on that trade. Those are always deals that you can't ever quite figure out. So we'll we'll leave that one off to the side. But in all the trades the Mets made, they got nine prospects who are currently slotting in their top 30 by MLB.com. Now, that's a very rough list that's been thrown together. Let's give it time for the baseball Americas of the world to really dig into what the Mets did and to really see where all these guys are going to end up factoring in. But here's what they got for Eduardo Escobar and Mark Canna. They got two pitching prospects that are going to slot into double a triple a over the next couple of years, guys that could be death starters. And if everything works out, Maybe back-end starters. And if you get cost-controlled back-end starters for rentals, huge win. We'll see what happens with those guys. Justin Jarvis, Coleman Crow. One of them ends up popping. Huge win for the Mets. Even if one of them ends up giving you a sustained run in your rotation, like a season, that becomes a win. Starting pitching is expensive, and they got some options now. So those two trades, I'd say, you know, they got a good enough return, right? Tommy Pham, okay, we'll see. Dominic Lillian to get anything, okay, win. The David Robertson deal, Marco Vargas, the more we've stepped away from the trade and the reaction to two guys who are in the, the complex league you know, coming over, teenagers, 
You've started to hear some really good things about Marco Vargas, the guy that will probably be a top five prospect in the Mets system before too long now because they just added Luis Angel Acuna and Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Might take some time, but he's got a lot of upside. And uh, what's the other guy's name? Robert Hernandez. Don't quote me on that. I'm not positive off the top of my head. I got it, but the catching prospect they got has some upside as well to maybe be one day uh, a guy. We'll see. For a rental reliever, pretty good return. And basically what all this boils down to, when you're talking about a rebuild, and I want to get to Max Scherzer's comments in the Mets window a little bit later here in the next segment because I'm a little bit heated on Scherzer's exit and what he has said to the media. But if you look at what the Mets did, Escobar, Canna, Fam, Leon, Robertson, None of them was part of the Mets' future. All of them are rentals outside of Leon. And come on, you picked up the guy at the scrap peep, and he hasn't even pitched that well this year. So to get anything for him is impressive. Really what the Mets did here is they traded Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. That was the sale. That was the changing of the window. That was saying, hey, 2024, we're all in to win a World Series. Now we're taking a bit of a step back. But... In return for that, you get three guys that slot into your top six immediately and potentially the two best prospects in your farm system now. And as soon as next year, you could be looking at a world where Acuna and Gilbert are both starting for your big league team with full control, which is more valuable than the last year of Scherzer when he hasn't even pitched well this year and age 41 and 42 on Justin Verlander. We'll see how it works out. We'll see when the Mets can contend again. But if you identify where you're at and what this season has been and the fact that it was a seller's market that you should try to take advantage of, I think the Mets executed this deadline as good as you can with what their directive was. Now, you can say, hey, they still had a chance this year. If they had David Robertson, they wouldn't have lost on a bulk tonight. If they had Scherzer and Verlander, they could have made it into a wild card this year. Have you seen the Atlanta Braves? In what world are the Mets beating the Braves in a playoff series this year? It would have to work so perfectly where Scherzer and Verlander lead you there and Scherzer and Verlander win your playoff series and Edwin Diaz comes back in that bullpen. So many things had to break perfectly right. Then when you look at 2024, again, you're in this scenario where you're you're running back the same team a year older, the same veteran team a year older. And the mess decided it was time for a change. And if you waited any longer, let's say you wait till the offseason, what are you getting for Scherzer and Verlander? These were deals that had to be made up against the deadline where there's teams that are trying to win a World Series. And you look at the Astros, you look at the Rangers, two teams in the same division, teams who have World Series aspirations. Those were the type of teams that are willing to give you some great prospects for guys who are on relative short-term deals. Each of them ends up giving those teams a couple of years and a couple of runs. And at a discount because of Steve Cohen. But if money doesn't matter, the Mets took the best advantage of the situation that was in front of them 
And I don't think this means that 2024 is suddenly out the window like some are believing. And a lot of it comes from Max Scherzer's comments. I want to get to those in a minute because to me, it's a guy that's got some sour grapes about the fact that he was just moved where he was really intending to stay. And I think he is taking an approach that I can't necessarily get behind with how he's made private conversations public. So we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to 100 time payout for up to eight pick contests where you can choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you can win big. So, hey, maybe you're like, Carlos Carrasco is going to give up a lot of runs today. You think that's going to happen? Hey, you could combine that with Pete Alonso hitting a home run. You can go both ways. Buy and sell on the Mets a little bit if you're playing sleeper. There's also built-in group chat functionality. So if a bunch of your friends are talking about the slate of games, you guys can copy your group's picks with a tap of a button and play together. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe and fast withdrawals. Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The New York Mets are playing the Kansas City Royals 8-10 Eastern Time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Max Scherzer has spoken to the media, and he has made public his conversations with Billy Epler and Steve Cohen in typical Max Scherzer fashion. And if I wasn't already done with Max Scherzer and it's connecting to the Mets, these comments have officially severed that tie for me. They come off whiny, in my opinion. Say what you want about it. They come off whiny. Now, that could just be Max Scherzer's tone, and that could just be a frustrated guy airing his frustrations. I get it. And you could say, good on Scherzer for being honest. But what he basically told the media is that he had conversations with Billy Epler, and he learned that the Mets were not trying to contend in his window of 2024. And they were looking towards 2025 and 2026 of the window. And he could not believe what he was hearing because it's so different than anything he's ever heard from Steve Cohen. And he had to hear from the man himself. So he got on the phone with Steve and Steve echoed those sentiments. And with that, he decided to waive his no trade clause. The last part of that sentence tells you all you need to know. What did the Mets want Max Scherzer to do after those conversations? Waive his no trade clause. Okay. That's what they wanted him to do. Now, I'm sure, and based on what Billy Upler has said, you can take something from that. Yes, 2024 might be a little bit more of a transition year for the New York Mets. Absolutely. They're going to be trying a lot of young players. And as we've seen this year, Francisco Alvarez, home run. Big, big hit of a prospect. He's going to be the starting catcher of the future. There's no doubt about it. Brett Beatty has not worked out so well up to this point. Yes, the Mets got to keep running him out there and hoping 
that this big league experience will pay off. And by the time you get to the end of this season, despite the errors that we saw in the game tonight and recently defensively and a guy who struggled offensively, you want to know what you have there because he had the potential going into the year of being the third baseman of the future. And the Mets had not given up on that, but it might take time. So yes, 2024 is going to be a lot of these what ifs. And the Mets are not going to go into the season as clear-cut World Series favorites. And they're probably not going to go out and sign Julio Urias and Blake Snell to replace Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. But that does not mean this team's not going to be talented. And this team's going to have no shot. It means the Mets are trying to get on the level of the Braves and the Dodgers, and it takes a farm system to do it. And so they finally went all in on prioritizing that. And that's something you can't always do when you're trying to win now. But because... The Max Scherzer-Justin Verlander build did not work this season. It gave them an opportunity to capitalize on that build and spark a rebuild overnight and take what could have taken two to three years for another franchise and get an influx of talent quickly. You look at Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, the two prospects they got from the Astros. That's equivalent to a first and a second round pick. Gilbert literally was a first round pick. Clifford was not a second-round pick, but he was an 11th-round pick out of high school who got over a million dollars, which puts him financially in line of a second-round pick to get him to sign at a high school. And he has done really well this year. You have to listen to my Justin Verlander show to get the exact stats, but I believe it's 16 home runs in high A at, like, 19 years old. So we'll see what those guys turn into, but... That's two years of not being good to get those type of players or nailing one draft. And you got that at the deadline. Luis Angel Acuna, Marco Vargas, that's like nailing a couple uh, international signings. So that's what the Mets were trying to do. And yes, what they said to Scherzer and Verlander was they're looking more to 2025, 2026, which is not a lie. But that does not mean that the Mets can't win in 2024. It means they said what they had to to get these guys to waive their no-trade clause so that they had a chance to be big-time winners in 2025. And you never know what will happen in 2024. Here's what I'll say about the Mets next year and the talent that's already in place before you move a finger in free agency. Look around the diamond. Francisco Alvarez a catcher. Like that, Omer Novaez's is backup, very solid. Pete Alonso at first base, okay? Francisco Lindor at shortstop. Now, here's the question marks. Jeff McNeil at second base, or is that Ronnie Mauricio or Luis Angel Acuna? All good options, potentially. Third base, is that Brett Beatty? Is that Ronnie Mauricio? On the outside, is that Mark Vientos? Probably not defensively, but hey, Beatty's given him a run for his money lately. We'll see what third base looks like, but there's options there. It could even be Luis Angel Acuna, to be honest with you. And McNeil can still be at second. Go to the outfield. Brandon Nemo, Starling Marte, still there. Jeff McNeil very well could be in the outfield next year. So could Ronnie Mauricio, for that matter. Drew Gilbert. There's every chance that at some point next season, he's on this roster. Mark Vientos at DH. That's all the talent that could be there by 2024. And you could see the Mets be just like the Reds this year, the Diamondbacks this year, the Orioles, these teams that have seen the young talent rise to the surface, and suddenly 
they are contending. So it can happen that quick, but it might not happen in your preseason odds, as Billy Epler has suggested. Now, the rotation is the big, big question mark because it's Sanga, Quintana, and Guess. David Peterson, you're going to see a lot of down the stretch this season. I'm sure he's going back in that rotation. Tyler McGill possibly as well. Will either of them change their standing in the organization down the stretch? Might not be likely, but you never know. With Peterson, I think there's a better chance. Mike Vassell, he could get a shot this year. He's in AAA. Hasn't pitched great, but it could be coming around sooner rather than later. So that's another option. Now there's free agency. And the one guy to look at, who I've already mentioned multiple times, is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He comes over, he could be your ace. And all of a sudden, you have two starters atop your rotation in Yamamoto and Senga that would be pretty good going into a year. With a depth guy like Quintana, maybe Peterson has shown something. Maybe you want to go crazy with lefties and you sign Jordan Montgomery in free agency as that tier B starter. Or there's Lucas Giolito, there's Michael Lorenzen. Hell, Seth Lugo might be a free agent. But I think the Mets will probably add a couple tier B starters. Or at least one tier B if they also get the tier A in Yamamoto. So let's reserve judgment to see what the Mets do in free agency. Because they could not be the big, big winners, the big, big spenders. And just do enough around the margins where if this young core position players ends up being awesome, the Mets could be right back in the mix. And guess what? They're in the mix. At next year's deadline, and they got Sanga and Yamamoto atop their rotation, they want a third guy. All of a sudden, some of these prospects they just traded for, guess what? Window turned into now. Now they're sending them out and they're getting another arm. So this can all change. The last thing I want to end on the 2024 thing before I move back to 2023 and what we're going to be watching over this final couple months. The Mets have no pitchers in the upper levels of their farm system. Fans have been saying this nonstop as a way to combat what the Mets just did because they didn't get an arm in the Verlander or the Scherzer trade. Well, I mentioned Mike Vassell's name. He's in AAA. They just got Jarvis and Crow this year at the deadline, two guys that are going to slot into AA. Crow's been hurt, but we'll see if he comes around at some point. Tidwell's in AA right now. Tyler Stewart's in AA right now. Christian Scott's in AA right now. All of those last three, I said, having great seasons. And Tidwell has frontline potential maybe. And who knows? Because a guy like Christian Scott has put up really good numbers. Tyler Stewart's leading the minors in the ERA. There is pitching in the upper levels of the Mets minors. So if by next year, two of the group of Vassal, Jarvis, Crow, Tidwell, Stewart, and Scott, two of those six find their way to the big leagues and are good, at least good back-end guys, and you have Sanga Quintana, and you have Peterson maybe being better, and you have a free agent signing or two, suddenly the rotation depth isn't as much of an issue as it looks like right now when you traded those two guys. Then you go to the bullpen. You go into next year, assuming the Mets pick up uh, Brooks Raley's club option, which they're going to, and if Adam Adovino comes back on a player option, then he might not be able to get a better offer for in free agency. And you go into next year with Diaz, Raley, and Adovino before you address the pen. So there's still a lot of talent for the 2024 Mets. It's way too early to say they just punted 2024. Let's see what the kids look like down the stretch this year. 
what the franchise you know, seems to have in store. And I'm sure that when free agency rolls back around, Steve Cohen might have the appetite to spend a dollar or two, maybe. But we're going to have to watch some bad baseball before then. What is in store for this season? What happened tonight? I'll get to all that in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets play the Kansas City Royals again, 8-10 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch in that hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Well, through about six innings today, there was probably a lot of teams that were kicking themselves for not putting whatever offer it was that the Mets were asking to get Jose Quintana because he looked great. He kept his pitch count down. I, I really like the fact that they kept Quintana at this deadline. They weren't going to get a haul for him. I like that this wasn't a fire sale in that sense. And Billy Epler, <laughs> you can mince his words and make him look like a bold-faced liar. But when he says it's not a fire sale, he is right in this sense. If it was a fire sale, they would have traded Brooks Raley and Omar Narvaez for a couple more lottery tickets like they traded Tommy Pham for. Tommy Pham, to keep him, to take potential at-bats away, from younger players in a year where the Mets aren't going anywhere would have been foolish. So, hey, you find the the lottery ticket you like the most and you take it and you move fam to a nice situation in Arizona. Do him a solid, honestly, because that's a good team that he can go be a part of and a fun place to hit. So they make that move, but they didn't make every move possible. They didn't trade Adam Montevino. They didn't trade Rayleigh. They didn't trade Quintana. They didn't trade Nervaez. Guys that all could be part of the 2024 team. So, you know, they also (laughs) are guys that will help 2023 be a little bit more palatable. Um, Again, Quintana looked good through six. Seventh inning, you know, ran into a little bit of trouble, gave up a couple of runs. It wasn't all on him. You know, there was defense behind him. And, you know, he, he didn't get hit hard by any stretch in my mind. But after the Mets had only hit a home run the second inning, Pete Alonso, and then Quintana gave up one of the fifth, and the game was deadlocked really through six, the Royals take a lead, and the Mets, with their young core, they battle back in the eighth inning, and they showed you a little something, and it was fun for half a second. Um, Danny Mendick lined out to start the inning. Jeff McNeil got a hit. Francisco Alvarez got a hit. Francisco Lindor hit by a pitch. Pete Alonso a blue pit. Brett Beatty drew a walk to tie the game, and then Mark Vientos got a sacrifice fly. Mets have a lead. Bottom of the eighth, Adam Adevito comes on. Lead goes away. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that works out? And then you get into um, you know the ninth inning. No one scores. Tenth inning, Francisco Alvarez hits a two-run homer to lead things off, but gets the ghost runner in and himself. The Mets had a lead. They hand the ball to Brooks Ray to close it out, and it was just a comedy uh, in that last inning, I don't want to relive it. Um, if you want to watch it to, to feel pain, do it. But it, it all culminates in multiple pitching changes. You see Hartwig, then then uh, Josh Walker comes on to try to extend it to the 11th. He doesn't throw a pitch. They have a pitch com issue, and there is a bulk to end the game, which was the perfect close to one of the weirdest days in Mets history. But moving forward, what does this look like for the Mets? Well, 
You're going to see Mark Vientos, Brett Beatty, and Francisco Alvarez, like fans have been clamoring for all year, but it's no longer in the purpose of trying to win. It's about seeing what you got there. Um, Ronnie Mauricio is not up yet, and they're saying it's not coming in the next couple of days. There's some stuff that I'll talk about at a later date. I got to get a little more information on it, but I think there is some type of incentive the Mets would have to hold them back for a couple more weeks as far as keeping him eligible as a rookie next year. Um, you know, if he's wins a rookie of the year next year, there's some compensation the Mets can get. There's some other things. I'll give you more details when I've read up on it more, but at some point this year, you're going to see Ronnie Mauricio as well. So that's another thing to watch out for. Um, and, and again, you might see some of these arms come up. The rotation right now for the Mets, Kodai Senga is going to pitch against Cole Raggins tomorrow. So exciting to see a Senga start. The big ballpark should have a good day, especially against a bad baseball team. Thursday, TBD. Uh, I don't know who's going to start that one. Can David Peterson get in the rotation by then? Tyler McGill, who knows? And then everything is TBD. We don't know what that rotation is going to be. But eventually, I believe they're just going to go back to, to Peterson and McGill right now. It's boring. It's probably bad baseball. It is what it is. That That's where you're at. You don't have anything else you can go to. When Vassal has a good stretch in AAA, I believe they'll call on him, but they're not going to just rush him here just because just they can. They don't want to crush the kid's confidence. So for now, you know that's what it's going to be. And you know what? Maybe the Mets can hit themselves into some wins and make this season a little bit fun, and they're going to play spoiler, and they're probably going to lose some games. And you know what? The Mets have incentive to lose because if they're – pick is in the top six they get to keep it for being an exorbitant luxury tax team if it's outside of the top six i think it drops like 10 slots so that's another game the mets could be playing a little bit but if they were really playing that game they probably would have traded Rayleigh and Adovino to got whatever they could back and just guarantee that they're going to suck this year though it's kind of uh, trending that direction anyway I think that the last couple months, if you change your expectations as a fan, they can be a lot of fun. If you change that mindset and realize that, hey, you're watching the future of the Mets, day in, day out. You're watching Francisco Alvarez. You're watching Brett Beatty. You're watching Mark Vientos. You're getting to see Pete Alonso hit home runs a lot because he's still doing that. And you're still seeing Francisco Lindor and Brandon Nimmo playing well on big contracts who, and these guys are going to be part of your team moving forward and everyone can play a little bit freer because all of the pressure has just gone away. Now there's also the dog days now where you don't have anything to play for. So maybe that makes you play worse as well. But I feel like the Mets made the best decision for the 2024, 2025, 2026 rosters with the moves that they made. And everyone has been talking about it since they signed Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander of how risky it was to pin your hopes on a couple guys in their 40s. And the Mets, in a couple of days, changed course, brought youth in, and turned the page to a new era of Mets baseball and shortened a rebuild that could have taken a lot longer if they doubled down, tripled down on these guys. And let's just say you did that. You got nowhere this year, and Max Scherzer, for the first two months of next season, was pitching to a 4.75 ERA and fell off a cliff. All of a sudden, that rebuild that just started a week ago now, well, now you're not only a year behind, 
but you're not getting value for Scherzer at next year's deadline. And you wouldn't have got the same value for Justin Verlander, even if he pitched great this year and pitched great next year and next year's deadline, if next year turned into a lost season. So they did the best thing for the future of this franchise. And now, unfortunately, as fans, we just got to be patient for a little while and see how long it takes them to get back into a real window to contend. But I still believe it can be next season. Anyway, that's going to be all for this edition of Locked on Mets. I really do appreciate all of you for tuning in to the deadline coverage on this show. It's been uh, weird and fun and frustrating all wrapped into one. But I appreciate all you everydayers who never miss a show. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets' own time broadcast, you can do so. Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.